Welcome back, everyone, to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are bringing you a wonderful performance and not the normal performance style we usually bring you here on Whisper in the Wings. So we're very excited about this. Joining us today, we've got the director, choreographer, and lead artist, Kristen Brooks Sandler, the playwright, Caitlin Sherrard, and the producer, Lauren LaCroix, who are all part of Thistle Dance's presentation of Unbound Volume 2, The Art of Sin. You've got two chances left to catch this amazing show on October 20th and 27th. Each day's got three performances at 6.45, 7.45, and 8.45 p.m. And all of these are happening here in Manhattan at the Jefferson Market Library. That's at 425 6th Avenue. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting thistledanceinc.com slash tickets. We are very excited to have our guests on today. So we're going to just jump right in and welcome them on. Kristen, Caitlin, Lauren. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. I am excited to have you here. I am excited to know more about this great immersive dance performance as I was reading about Unbound Volume 2, The Art of Sin. What a perfect title for spooky season, you know? (laughs) And I want to actually start, Caitlin, with you as the playwright. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the story of the show, if you will. Definitely. The Art of Sin is the second of our Unbound series, which is like a spooky, immersive, as you said, dance experience that spans all three floors of the Jefferson Market New York Library. And it's completely free to attend, which is great. The exhibition of inequity uh, explores an entwined relationship between all of the seven deadly sins. And you can shadow, as an audience member, shadow them floor by floor and room by room for an unrepentantly provocative night. And in that doing, we'll reframe what is often considered our worst parts and unveil each sin in its own skin. All of that basically to say is we're taking a really great new fresh look at the seven deadly sins and putting them in context of how they interact with each other, not just how they interact within ourselves. And we're exploring that with text, we're exploring it with phenomenal choreography that Kristen's laid out. And yeah, it's it's a really great time. Sounds incredible. I love all that. Who doesn't love to just dive into that subject, you know? Kristen, I want to bounce to you as the director and the choreographer and as the lead performer, the lead artist. Where did you come up with the idea for this show or for this series as well? Yeah, so we started partnering with the New York Public Library last year. So we did a three-floor immersive spooky show last year. And so this is our second year doing this and hopefully it just keeps on going that we get to partner in this in this beautiful space in terms of how we come up with the show the team at thistle which is caitlin and me and a third collaborator aaron the three of us kind of run the company together and we came up with three ideas to kind of pitch the library to talk to Frank, our contact there, who we, we love dearly. Yay, Frank. <laughs> Yay, Frank. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> and I always like to pitch three things because I think it gives people one thing to not so much like, one thing to kind of like, and one thing to love. And so we came to him with three shows and he picked Seven Deadly Sins because he said, you know, I think you all will do this 
different than anyone's ever seen it, which is a really large compliment for us. And we really like taking new vantage points on things you think you know, kind of re-examining truth and kind of breaking it apart, blowing it up and seeing what we can find from what we think we already know. And so the show itself has text in it, which is very exciting for us. And Caitlin wrote it and it's amazing. And it also is primarily movement as a language. So there's a conversation at the beginning of the show that sets everything up. That conversation repeats at the end of the show with a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, seven deadly sins sitting around a table just chatting. And then you get to kind of move through the whole show and there's actually seven different shows you can see. So it's the reason we run it three times a night is that there's no way you can see everything in one go. And then in terms of the idea, you know, I went to Caitlin and Aaron and I said, we're doing seven deadly sins. And we said, great. And then we all kind of got in a room together and, and started talking about, well, what, what vantage point do we want to take on this? How have we seen it done before? How do we want to do it differently? And how is that kind of best presented? And it was a truly a collaborative effort. I got it as far as I could. And then I was like, I don't know, maybe we picked the wrong thing. And then Caitlin came in with like a whole like spreadsheet. And she was like, I think this is how it goes. And so it's, it was really a, a collaborative effort. And then, you know, we called the dancers and away we go. I love that. That's fantastic. And like you said, who doesn't love getting the seven deadly sins together around the table? That's going to be a conversation we all want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, I would love to know how you as the producer came upon this project. Ooh, it's easy for me. Kristen's my best friend. So it, it's, it's, it's really very simple. And, and Caitlin is mutual too, is a friend for a really long time. And we've worked together on multiple things and she did really well last year. And it was sort of, I helped her with one thing just as a, I'm, I'm a producer and, and she's an on the boots on the ground creator. And, and she's sort of like, we had a random conversation where she was like, I'm gonna do it again. And I was like, okay, great. Maybe we can do it together. And then it just happened. <laughs> that is one of the best answers I've heard about that. Oh, she's my friend. <laughs> Lauren, sticking with you first on this next question, you know, yeah. you, you all have already had your first performance. We're catching you as you head into your second and final performances. What has it been like developing this, this particular part of the series, you know, volume two, The Art of Sin? Right. It, it's lovely is the thing that comes to my mind because it's it's so rare really that the creative process can be enjoyable <laughs> you know what I mean and it it rare can friends actually work together like Kristen and I both say we have like five on our hands that we can actively like call <laughs> all the time but I I am not a spooky person Kristen knows Halloween creeps me out it's just I I love I love dressing up my cat as a witch but that's like as far as I go but I love her theater company because it's it gives, it gives another meaning to like, you know, how they say grace to the grotesque and it gives another meaning to like the sort of the, the themes that follow around Halloween and being in the Jefferson library is trust me, you do not want to walk those halls by yourself, but it's kind of fun to do that. So developing this for me has been just putting another context to, to what is traditionally spooky or, you know, how something can be beautiful and grotesque and how something can be enchanting and grotesque, you know, like you want to put your hands on it and actually look at it and, and, and say, yeah, I want to follow all of these dancers down this very dark hallway and see what, 
happens next. That's that's me. That's that's why I love it. That is fantastic. Lovely answer. Kristen, how about you? I, as, again, the director, the choreographer, the lead artist, what's it been like developing this show? Oh, it's been awesome. It's, you know, we like to try to make shows that have enough room for people to live inside of them. That's a big mission of the company and the work that we create is giving the audience the autonomy to interpret things as they wish and have all of the answers be right. And so oddly enough, that means when developing this piece, we have to be wildly specific, especially when it comes to dance. So we have to know exactly what we're talking about, those acting beats, those movement in order to give the audience kind of the room to interpret as they will. It's been a, I feel like a very, a very collaborative process, obviously with Caitlin, amazing, amazing, not just words, but like dramaturgy, thoughts, directorial vision of like helping to be that outside eye as we're rehearsing all the dancing and her coming in and going, oh, that that really makes sense to me. And, and that feels a little unclear. A lot of personal collaboration with the dancers and talking to them about how they feel about each one of their sins, because the, the seven main dancers, each one of them is an individual sin. And so wrath for you know, Aaron and greed for Maya and pride for Maddie. What do these sins mean for the show, but also what do they mean for the individual dancers and how can we create their show so that they align with it as well? And so it's odd because a lot of stories, everybody kind of has the same understanding of them, um, fairy tales and, and folklore and, and myths, but the sins, have been so fascinating because everybody's interpretation of them and connection to them is just a little bit different. And so building something that simultaneously is so specific that we know it has to be, you know, that it can be interpreted and leaving room for all of that interpretation has been kind of a, a beautiful and mad process. But I'm really proud of, of where it's landed. I love that. Yes. Caitlin, bringing you back in, yeah. what is the message or thought you hope that audiences take away from this show? This is, this, this question is super exciting to me for so many different reasons. I think that there's, there's kind of two things to walk away with when you have an experience with Thistle Dance. And, and one is kind of an experience that you'll have with the company. And the other is the individual show. The the message that the company kind of imparts in all of its work, which is one of the reasons I I love being a part of it, is that we are reevaluating our 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 mythos kind of as a as a company, taking a different look, taking a new look, a a, a personal look at a lot of these stories that we form our morals around or our individual histories around, and reminding our audiences that it is perfectly okay to have their own individual interpretation of these things and that all of those personal interpretations are valid and and justifiable and worth exploration so that when you i like piggybacking off of something that that kristen said that i absolutely love is for, with the sins for example one of the reasons that we kept having this realization that everybody had a different definition is that because the sins are are 
such an internal thing. We view them as such an internal thing that of course everyone's internal view of pride or greed or gluttony is going to be a little bit different. And that, that Thistle's aim as a company is to allow for things like that, whether we're looking at a fairy tale or we're looking at lore or we're looking even at like a re-envisioned piece of history, like our piece Gilded looks at Helen of Troy. And then as for this individual show along those lines of, of kind of reinvestigating something, I think the sins themselves, we spent a lot of time talking about what like as a, as a research and development section, Aaron, Kristen, and I spent a lot of time talking about what the sins, how they manifest in everyone and how, how, like, how they manifest in literature and how they're often referred to or used. And if there wasn't a, another way of looking at them, not just in the context of an individual person or what happens when we eat too many cupcakes or when we're a little too vain or things like that, but in what ways are the sins a good thing or how do they interact with each other? I think we, in the play, we, we experiment a lot with the different combinations of, of characters on stage so that the sins aren't caricatures anymore. They're characters. They all have personalities and they all have viewpoints and they have people that they work with better than others. And I think that for me, that was the, that, that was the really exciting thing was, was seeing like who gets along well with who else and what relationships are good and what relationships are kind of toxic. And so I think that hopefully an audience member of the show kind of comes away going like, oh, this was a really cool company. This is my friend and I went to the show and we had two wildly different experiences and they were both wonderful. And then from the Unbound Volume 2 Art of Sins perspective, man, I need to, I need, I want to think about how I experience anger. I want to think about how I experience sloth and kind of reevaluate those things for myself. But yeah, that's, I hope, I hope people walk away with, with good questions. I love that. Finally, for this first part of the interview, Lauren, I would love to know who do you hope have access to the show? Yeah, that's a it's it's a that's a really good one. I think it's this space is completely accessible. And that is a huge thing that that theaters deal with now. That's a huge thing that audiences deal with now and always right then now it's just on on the brain you know what i mean but that was super important that anyone can see this show and when i mean anyone i mean anybody any physical anybody can see the show it's a slice of life you know talking about the seven deadly sins during this time it's just cohesive but it's also it can pop up anytime you can do the show anytime anywhere in any place um you can be any kind of a person if you're intrigued in the grotesque, if you're intrigued in the spooky, you're going to love this. But if you're not, if you're a person that's me that kind of like freaks out every time they see like a little ghost walking down the street, this is cool too. <laughs> you know what I mean? We had, we had um, a bunch of people last week and one woman in particular came up to me and she's like, I got a ticket for next week, but I'm just walking by to see like what's happening right now. And our line was kind of like around the corner. And she goes, is this like sexy spooky? Is it like, like, like sleek spooky? Is it kind of like Vogue spooky? And a lot of people were like, it's all of the above. And she walked in and she's coming next week. So it's, 
it's it's hands are out for anybody that's in the village that wants to come see a show that's an hour to come check it out up for the second half i want to give our listeners a chance to get to know the three of you a little bit more pick your brains you know peel back the curtain if you will and i want to start by asking our time-tested first question which is what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites and since we are dealing with an immersive dance show you know choreographers should also be thrown in there as well and Kristen, I would love to start with you first, if I could, on that. Oh my gosh, yes. So many wonderful things inspire me. Quick shout out to our poser, Rebecca Nisco, who yeah. Pixar, who we created a completely original music for the show. She she is super inspiring in her work, kind of a total dream to work with her on stuff. Her orchestrations, I really love instrumental music that tells a story. I often find it in like video game soundtracks. And so totally obsessed with her. Sonia Tayek is an incredible choreographer, has done a bazillion Broadway things, did So You Think You Can Dance, but is just a large inspiration in terms of physical storytelling and kind of deepening the, deepening how we interpret what we're seeing and how we feel things and how much goes feeling to brain because i feel like sometimes with movement we're always trying to go brain first and like what does that mean or what do we think and my favorite choreographers make you feel it first you're like i'm having a moment and a feeling and a connection and then maybe your brain catches on or maybe you just enjoy that feeling you know it deepens that in music theater it deepens the storyline and it kind of gives you context that you wouldn't normally have. And then I guess uh, my last one, Crystal Pites' The Statement is a phenomenal piece. It's on the internet if you search hard enough, but in terms of the way that we looked at words and movement for the show, the, the physical language we created in tandem with Caitlin's playwriting, that was a huge inspiration for us, so. That is a fantastic list, I love that. Thanks. <laughs> Lauren, how about we jump to you next on this? Yeah, I am. I'm inspired <laughs> by many, many, many things. I think it's as a producer that it's it's what you seek. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 what it's what your likes are that make you do what you do. And I'm like these two women know very much because they've been a part of my life for a long time. I'm a real passionate person about female teams. Yep. and about uh, about looking around the room and seeing a bunch of people that look like me and that is what i love in making that so that anytime someone says oh there aren't there aren't any female lighting designers i know 25 of them so you're lying <laughs> you know that's that's what that's what inspires me it's creating these rooms and and being a part of the table with this all and and having a seat and them looking at me saying now what and I have the answer. I think it's that's magical to me. There's a million playwrights I love. I'm am obsessed with Lynn Nottage. I will be for the rest of my life. 
uh, I'm a big literature person. Like I, I shout out to Elevator Repair Service. You put a book on stage and I will sit through every minute of it. <laughs> that's something that I'm obsessed with. And um, Lorca, that's, that's what allows me to take up some space with Thistle is, is Lorca opened my brain to what the elements can do and what the body does with those outer extremities that inspires me. Another fabulous list. I love that. And yes, Lynn Nottage, who I don't know if you saw, it was announced, revealed that she was the number one playwright most produced in the in the country, I believe. Yeah, she's fabulous. Yeah, I love her work. Love her work. <laughs> Caitlin, what are who inspired? It happens you? all the time. <laughs> I can't tell you. Like even with our own team, it's that's we we do that all the time. God, this is such, I, I, this is a great question and it's really fun. I've known these two women for years and they've both said things that are a little new to me, which is really great. Like, I can't wait to, I'm grabbing dinner with Lauren later. I'm gonna be like, wait, lo, like, tell me more about Lorca. Like, what was it for Lorca for you? Like, that's going to be a whole conversation later. Whole conversation. Whole. Uh, whole conversation. I think for me, I have, I have a, a kind of really weird background to be working with a with a dance company. I come from a background of classical theater and improv and those two things sound like they're juxtaposing but for me what it is is it's it's forms of theater that have a lot of structure to them so that you can push against that structure or use it foundationally to kind of ricochet off and and create new energy. I always think of it as like it's like being in a wrestling ring. If if you've if you've built something that's really strong, if you've if you've set foundational ropes, you can use them to launch into new action. So I love theater and I love theater makers, storytellers that have really strong foundational work that then use that to break their own molds. Along those lines, I love adaptive playwrights so much. I love like elevator pair service as a company the fact that they do they take literature and they're like you know what we're gonna do we're gonna put James Joyce's Ulysses on stage what a wild and beautiful endeavor and the fact that they've done that with a, a, a really wide range of work is incredible Bedlam is another company for me I will sing their praises till the day I die um they do such incredible adaptive work Kate Hamill another one of those phenomenal women featured on the most produced playwrights list doing adaptive work that's super exciting to me so anyone that wants to play with something that's foundational and then to tilt it I want to get involved with I want to see it I want to be a part of it and honestly it's how I fell in with Kristen Chris I watched what Kristen did and I was like hey I have I don't dance but I want to be involved with this what do you need and that's kind of how we found our way in together. So I, yeah, I love people that that see a see a strong foundation and go, what if I tilt it to the left? What happens then? We're I both think, like that with Kristen. We're like, we don't dance. We don't like, dance. What can we dance. do? There is a place for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I know you all have been really busy with the show. Like I mentioned, it's already had its first show last week. We're getting ready for the final two in the next couple of weeks. But have any of you had a chance to see any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Go see Marry Me at New York Theater Workshop. Very. 
I, there's also shows that I'm excited about. Can I also say that, Andrew? Yes. I'm excited about How to Dance in Ohio that's coming on Broadway. Yes. I'm very excited yeah, about that. That has, that has all the heartstrings in it for me. Shout out to that production company. They're the best. And uh, oh my goodness, there's, there's so many things that are, are popping up that besides Marry Me and How to Dance in Ohio and, and what's about to happen at, at St. Anne's Warehouse. Those are, those are keeping my eyes happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's a one that opens at the end of October, Bedlam, that company I mentioned a minute ago, they're doing a production of Arcadia. And as if that show wasn't already fun enough, they're always doing something in terms of their staging that is really fresh. And I, I think like really evocative, but yeah, there's a, there's a, there's so much going on right now. And the nice thing about our show, uh, this <laughs> the nice thing about our show is that it's, it is quick enough that if you've got lots of stuff going on, come for an hour. I mean, you're going to want to stay the whole time. It happens to everybody. We've got like a 50% return rate, but, but come for an hour, experience a thing and then go see another show. There's so much great stuff happening in New York right now. And there's so much coming up, but we'd love to be part of your Friday night. Yes. To all of that, <laughs> to all of that. There's some wonderful suggestions. Oh, and refugee plays. Sorry. I totally forgot one. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to know now, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Caitlin, I want to start with you on that. It's 100% the process. I I love that it, we talk about this at Thistle a lot about making the process accessible as well, or having, being able to cultivate a better understanding of what our process is in addition to the product, because it, it can feel like a magic trick, theater in general. I mean, like stagecraft and stage magic. But I feel like there's so much magic that happens in the room when something is being built. The amount of collaboration and discovery that happens, all of those moments are beyond describable, which is a lot for someone that really loves words as much as I do. But <laughs> no, I do. I, I love the process. I like, I like how many things we figure out and what we figure out is wrong. And then the new thing and then the thing after that, there's, there's always there's always something that happens in a day of rehearsal. There's always one moment that goes, ah, that's it. We figured something out. And the fact that you get to have so many of those in the course of a, of a larger project is really wonderful for me. So I'm, I would, I would research and develop. I'd build and build and build until the day I die. <laughs> and luckily I've, I've found some teammates with Aaron and Kristen that will, will keep me busy. So <laughs> I'm good for that. That is fantastic. Love that. Lauren, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? Ooh, it's the, it's the people. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's, it's the teams. It's the putting people together. If they're not already together themselves, it's finding others for other. I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that humans need humans. And it's what's happening in the world right now, I think, is a testament to that um humans need humans and I like it's my favorite thing to go hey Kristen there's this person I need you to meet him I think it's gonna work and then it's like a you know what I mean um shout out to every man and John that was that was the person that that kind of took all of us and took this project last year and this year to heights that we never thought could happen you know what I mean like 
every project is is an individual's baby, but in every project is the most special and the most beautiful. So it's lovely when other people see that as well. So apart for the theater, it's 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 about the people for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a wonderful answer. Bringing us home on this, Kristen, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? My favorite part about working in the theater, I think, is the the ripples that it can have, for lack of a mm. better term. Movement is my language, so, you know, bear with me. Usually, Caitlin cleans these thoughts up before I have to say <laughs> um, But, you know, both on the audience side of it and on the, like, creators and dancers and, and anybody involved in a production side of it, I think theater is an art form you simply have to be present for to do it and to do it well. And that creates this incredible opportunity for like discovery and growth, both on a, like a collective level and on an individual level. I spent my earlier years performing and, and on tours and things like that. And then when I moved into the director choreographer realm, I'm very happy here. The, the, it was one of those things of like, oh, this was, this is the magic. This is what I was meant to do. This is the joy I get from like helping people become the best version of this character or showing them that they can do something that they never thought that they were able to do or that they've been told that they can't do because that's also a very difficult thing in theater is like the amount of power that these ripples have can be positive or negative and so kind of you know cracking that open and and letting you know audience and artist rediscover what it means to be connected to their art and grow every process i've ever done from you know a little you know podunk theater and in, in the middle of the country to a community college to my company to large stages you know people people grow and change from it and a collective experience of making art is like such a special and unique thing and so i really love seeing that happen and when you know we talk a lot in the company about you know making process and product equally yoked and being able to show up as you are on any given day we have like a process of warming up that lets us find our bodies and and is like totally improv based and is this weird thing where like if you want to just like nap on the floor for 20 minutes it's a perfectly adequate way to warm up um, you know really about meeting yourself where you're at and so my favorite part about working in theater is helping people to and watching people both audience and artists discover what it means to be a part of the art and grow personally and discover new things personally from that experience. That is a wonderful answer. All three of you put those together. That is just chef's kiss. I love that. Well, we have now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests. And I'm so excited to hear yours. And it is, what is your favorite theater memory? I'll jump off just because I, I, it's, always the first thing that comes to my head when somebody asks me this question. It was in like elementary school, I want to say that I was a very talkative <laughs> kid. 
So they put me in the theater thinking it was gonna like do something. And then I got really quiet. <laughs> they didn't know what was happening. So we were doing like Jack and the Beanstalk. I'm from Texas, I'm from Dallas. We were doing Jack and the Beanstalk, Dallas, Texas. And they put my dad in the first row. And I was so good at it. Like I had all my lines. I was back to being myself. And my, my dad in the first row silenced me. And like the teacher walks on stage and she's like, Lauren, go. <laughs> And I was like, no, you can move him over there. So they moved him to the back. And I was like, that's fine. Perfect. And in the show, the show went back to normal. <laughs> so that being said, parents don't sit in the first row. <laughs> so funny. That's my most memorable and favorite theater experience that my dad never lets me forget. I yeah. love that. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. Favorite theater experience. Who would like to go next? I can go. My my favorite experience that I watched, I remember I did like a broad, I'm from Jersey. So I did like a Broadway camp, you know, when I was like 16 from ages like 12. You know, I was like, if I do the Broadway camp, I will Broadway. But we, it was when In the Heights was running. So we learned some of the choreography from in the high you know how they do at theater camps it's like someone comes in they like teach the kids some of it and then we mm -hmm. went to see the show that night and i remember having this moment i remember we were the we were literally the back row of the house so i like remember being like against a wall and i remember seeing ninety six thousand, and it was the first time that i had seen I had seen that thing that I talked about earlier where I was feeling something and I hadn't yet logically processed why or what or anything. And I felt it so much that I literally stood out of my chair, which was fine because we were in the back row. And then I just, I like spent half the number just standing, like not like cheering, not, you know, being like gregariously into it. Just my body couldn't sit. It had to stand and experience that. And I think that is the, like, that's the 96,000, I think is the end of the act, or at the very least, there's like a very sharp button at the bottom of it. No, it's not the end of the act, but it feels like the, in, my, in my, in my like, you know, 16, 15, 16 year old mind, I was like, <gasps> and I just like, I just stood there because it, I, I feel like I had always been taught that, that theater and art, you needed to know what it was. And it literally reshaped me into what I do now, which is like the logic of it, <laughs> how, what, what, quote, quote, what it is, or quote, quote, getting it to me is not the point. It's experiencing it. It's feeling it. It's having a visceral connection. And then you can process how you feel about it or what it is or why you felt that way later. In that moment, it's about being present and kind of totally feeling it and i think that was the first time that i experienced that and then it it literally like changed the trajectory of my life and apparently i'm still trying to do that so we just had a nice discovery about myself and <laughs> what I, why i do what i do thank you for coming to my therapy session <laughs> i love that no thank you so much for sharing that I think along those lines, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to pick a, a, a favorite memory, but like, because of where the conversation is going, but I think this one is really fun. I was in the middle of uh, kind of nowhere in Pennsylvania this summer for a little while. 
and there was a, I was at a, an artist residency in Pennsylvania and there, the local town, which Laceyville, Pennsylvania, they are rural by definition. I'm talking fewer than 2,500 people. Yeah. But you know what they did? They had a, they had a community production of Macbeth and it was going to happen outside it was set in it. It had rained earlier that day and everybody that had like reserved a ticket or they sent like a little email blast and they're like, we're doing it in the church basement guys. Somebody donated space. And I'll tell you what, in Laceyville, Pennsylvania, 100, I counted because I was curious. 126 people came to see a 90 minute cut of Macbeth. Oh. And there were people that were older. There were people that were younger. They had, the company had little toys up front so that the kid, like little ones that came to see the show would also have other things to do and to play with. Well, like being around the language and stuff like that. And they had a talk back afterward. And I know a lot of people uh, can can poo-poo a talk back and, and I gotta say, I love them. I'm like, a, I'm a weird geek that way. Like I'll always stay. Cause I'm always curious what the audience wants to talk about after mm -hmm. something like that. And I was, I, I know we talk, we talk about what's happening on Broadway and we talk about what's happening in, in these, these urban centers of development, but man, I gotta say the questions that came out of this audience were so thoughtful. People were asking about, and like, once again, rural, rural town, people were asking about how, what the definition of power was or what the definition of control, these, these really great, big, beautiful questions out of Laceyville, Pennsylvania, out of a 90 minute production of Macbeth, where they had six actors doubling as hard as they could for 90 minutes. <laughs> and, and it's that. So when we talk about work that creates conversation, when we work, we talk about work that brings people to the table and sends people to the table talking, afterward it can look like so many different things for so many different people that it's in the heights or that it, it's a it's a dance piece called the statement which once again everyone should look up because it's awesome or whether it's a production of jack and the beanstalk <laughs> yeah it's it's all of these things it's it's whatever gives you a sense of community or can strengthen that community through conversation for me yeah that is I, I, like, beautiful Oh my gosh, that is so wonderful. I think, first of all, thank you for sharing that memory. That is so yeah. wonderful. I think we all need to make a field trip this summer to Laceyville, Pennsylvania, <laughs> yeah. support this community because I adore, shout out to Laceyville, Pennsylvania. Anyone out there who's listening, shout out to Laceyville, Pennsylvania. That is incredible. That is there, and there's all of these phenomenal like little moments of theater everywhere though, right? It's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it, I think it can be here in New York. It can be on Broadway, but yeah, little, little towns everywhere telling stories. Yeah. Thank you all for sharing those beautiful memories. I love those. Well, but kind of building on that, do any of you have any projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Yes. So Thistle is partnering with Bathtub Gin. They're a speakeasy down on 26th Street, 7th Street, 27th Street. Somebody Google it. <laughs> and we're partnering with them to create an immersive dance and 
burlesque-y sort of production that will be opening around Valentine's Day and will hopefully be running for a while. It is a collaboration between the two of us and each number gets paired with a cocktail and so you get a cocktail flight they're like a you walk into their space and it looks like a small coffee shop and then you open a door and, and it's this beautiful 1920s gorgeousness and so you get to experience dance and experience immersive theater and this like very much like back to the 20s moment the show is called poison and pearls and we are making it with them coming up after this. So we're gonna we're gonna get it through this show. Bath to Gin is at 132 9th Ave between 18th and 19th. So I was so wrong on the location, but we love them. And we're very excited to to develop a another another show in New York. That sounds in Kristen's <laughs> defense of of like not knowing where you are, you step into that place and you feel like you're in a different era let alone a different place so it's Thistle's been really lucky to work with a few institutions now that the 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 space is kind of a character in and of itself and bathtub gin is definitely another one I think one of the things we're really excited about with this partnership is that like not only are are they excited to play but the space is so playful itself it's gonna make for a really fun show I'm really excited about that one that sounds so cool. I am excited about it. That sounds right up my alley. I love it. Come have a drink and hang out. It's going to be weird and awesome. <laughs> That's my kind of scene. Well, that brings us to my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Unbound Volume 2, The Art of Sin, or about any of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do that? Well, Thistle has a website, Thistle Dance Inc., com and the tickets tab has all of the information about unbound volume two how to reserve your tickets and more information on just the evening and videos to click on and all that kind of fun stuff our instagram is at thistle underscore dance we post a lot of updates on there in terms of free you know restoration classes that we do as well as shows and getting to know cast and kind of all of that caitlin and i our emails are on the website so if you really want to find us and hang out with us you can go to the contact page and you'll see both of our names and emails there to reach out and say hi or you can always reach out to info at thistledanceinc.com if you have general questions and would be happy to chat with you. We love new friends and partners. And then a PSA to the dancers out there, the way we do auditions is uh, rolling submissions. It's up on our website. And when, that way, when you have the time, the space, the you know physical and emotional space, you can learn the combination, tape it and send it in. When you do send it in, we only do one of two things. We either tell you that's wonderful, you're within our files and we'll call you for individual to audition for individual projects, or we give you feedback so that you can resubmit it as many times as you want and kind of learn our style and, and get to know us. So those are all the ways you can work with us and hang out with us. And, you know, we're always open for a conversation. Yeah, hit us up. We'll grab a coffee, talk about art. Yes, we love doing that. <laughs> I'm super easy. You can just find me on on Instagram. It's Lauren Lacroix. That's me. L A W R Y N L A C R O I X. And then through there, all of the many things that I got going on, you can find me. 
Well, Kristen, Caitlin, Lauren, thank you all so much for taking the time to stop by and chat with me. This has been so much fun. I don't want it to stop. So I can't wait to see all of you in person at your show and to see the upcoming show in the winter. This is wonderful. So thank you all so much. Thank Thank you for having us. This was great. My guests today have been the director, choreographer, and lead artist, Kristen Brooks Sandler, the playwright, Caitlin Sherrard, and the producer, Lauren LaCroix, who are all part of Thistle Dance's presentation of Unbound, Volume 2, The Art of Sin. You've got two more days to catch this, October 20th and 27th at 6.45, 7.45, and 8.45 p.m. This is all happening at the Jefferson Market Library, which is at 425 6th Avenue, and you can get tickets and more information by visiting thistledanceinc.com slash tickets. And remember, the tickets are free, so a great opportunity to see a wonderful show. We've also got some great contact information for this organization and our guests, which we'll be posting on the episode description as well as on our social media posts. But if you had as much fun as I had today listening to this, get on over to the Jefferson Market Library. Head on over to thistledanceinc.com Get your tickets now for Unbound Volume 2, The Art of Sin, and stay tuned for their upcoming performance with the Gin Tub. It's going to be great. And we'll see you there for The Art of Sin. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies. And keep talking about the theater. And a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.